right, good morning, everybody. here in the Old Testament. I've got a couple things I want to mention to y'all before we get started. Um, I don't think anybody knows this, or not many people know this, but Miss Georgia uh, has flown out to Arizona to be with her son, um, Alan. Um, They've given him about three weeks to live from what she's been telling us. So uh, she flew out Thursday morning and we bought her a one-way ticket. Not we, but not y'all, but she bought herself a one-way ticket, and she's not going to come back for a while so she can be out there with him. So uh, be in prayer for Miss Georgia. Uh, me and Maria got to go spend a little time with her uh, Wednesday before she left and, and uh, see the new house and everything. So she's uh, she she's kind of dreading it, but she had a, Lord, I don't know if it's going to work or not. <laughs> I, can't, I can't see my family over there. I have to cut a notch in the tree. Um, but uh, she's she's anxious about all that's getting ready to take place. But uh, she just asked for church to pray for her and, and be with her, uh, uh, or as she's with uh, Alan. Uh, my nephew Cody had to go back to Baptist this week. His ear has ruptured again it's twice in a couple weeks, so they've got him on some steroids and antibiotics and all that stuff. So uh, just pray for him and, and my family. Uh, Jonathan's going in 13th, 13th, get the old gallbladder taken out. Right before Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, been prayer for him as he goes through that one. Um, December 19th. Let me get this right. December 19th. Where are you, where are you at? There you are. Uh, so we're going to do, um, It's a we'll call it the Christmas play, but it's just going to be a reading of the Christmas story. The kids are going to do all this. And then following that, we'll have a, a meal afterwards. So we'll have supper that night, September 19th. September 22nd is a Wednesday night. So what I was thinking on that one, I ain't asking anybody, but I was just thinking if y'all want to, that night we'll just, instead of having Bible study, we'll, we'll just have a, a candlelight service that night, just the church get together, about as close to Christmas as you can get for us. So we'll do that on the 22nd, have a little candlelight service, and, and then uh, we'll, we'll call it a night after that one. No food, no food after that. Um, I think that's it. Uh, y'all, who, who decorated in here? Doris, is that you? Jerry? Everybody? Jerry. Just Jerry? <laughs> it looks great. Y'all doing a great job. Appreciate that. And I, I do want to say this just on a, a personal note uh, while, I, while I got y'all's attention uh, because I was talking about food, so I know I got your attention. Uh, I, I want to thank y'all for the prayer Sunday. Um, what y'all... I guess you do understand the power of prayer, but things happened this week that we wasn't ready for in a good way. I, y'all know the, the week before I had a bad week. It's just my numbers were off. I just I felt terrible. I felt really bad. And then Monday I go to the doctor to get my blood work done, and my numbers dropped, and I didn't have to have any blood taken because my numbers had dropped that much. I was hesitant because we were going to have to wait a couple weeks to get into the uh, – oncologist and to do to get on the cancer center and, and talk to them and Monday evening they called and they up my appointment so I was able to go Wednesday with Maria and we went to Dr. Wednesday um, one of the first things he was he was really quick to tell us is that you know you might be at a cancer center but you don't have to worry about cancer so that was great so now we're trying to figure out what's going on with me um, I go this Thursday to Marion Hospital uh, to have a, what they call PFT, it's a pr- uh, 
pulmonary function test. So I got to breathe in a garden hose for a while to see if what I got going on is pulmonary or not. Just don't know. And then I got to do a sleep study because somebody told the doctor I snored. Thank you for that. I'm glad you can't see me right now. Uh, they moved. Oh, man. <laughs> she slipped on me. So anyway, uh, we're, it's, it's looking good. And I just, again, I can't thank you all enough for the prayers. There's a lot more stuff happened last week, but it was just because the Lord just kept opening up doors and, and allowing us to, to move forward and, and, and move on. And I know he's in, in complete control and Again, I, we just thank y'all for the prayer. Oh, and the 18th, I just remembered this. If y'all want to go on December 18th to um, Mountain Home, uh, it's the VA uh, cemetery in Johnson City, please let me know because we have a 32-passenger bus reserved to take you all there uh, to put raise that on the, the veterans' graves if you if you want to help with that. That's fun. We did it a couple years ago. It was, it was great. Okay, that's it. Huh? Wear warm clothes, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty rough that, that day. All right, so Micah chapter 5, Micah chapter 5. Jerry, if I kick these things across the sanctuary, I, I apologize. <laughs> it's, it's like somebody's teed me up a football right there. Let's launch it. Keith said something earlier. It seems like we have Christmas, what would you say, every two months or so? It seems like it's just, just right around the corner. It's always right around the corner, right around the corner. And it's, it is. It's worth, worth, within three weeks now of Christmas, it's not far from here, and we're... We're, we're preparing, and what's one of the things that we, we talk about at Christmas, or what's one of the things that we do at Christmas, and I do it to the youngins right now, and I'm sure y'all are doing it too. You find somebody, at least in your family, what do you want for Christmas? That's, that's what we say. What, what do you want for Christmas? What can I get you? What, what do you need? What do you want? Because, you know, there's a difference in needs and wants, and so like, uh, I'll ask Maria, what do you need? Not so much what do you want, but what do you need? What can we get for you? And, and the girls, the same way. There was a lady asked one time, or no, she was, didn't ask. She, she thought, well, instead of asking, she said, I've got these friends and these families. I'll just, uh, just kind of get an idea of, of what I can get them and, and see if my budget will allow that. Well, she got to looking at her friends and her family, and she realized she didn't have much of a budget to get everybody something. So what she decided to do was she went to the store and she got a box of cards, 50 cards, Christmas cards. And she said, I'll just give everybody a card. Well, it was a really pretty card on the front, Christmas religious card. And so she got, got the box of cards and then in a hurry, she signed her name, put a little something in there and mailed them all out. She had 50 cards and when she got done, she had 48 sent out and two left. Well, after uh, New Year's, she found the box. And so she opened up. She said, I wonder what exactly it said on the inside of the box. When she read the card, the inside of the card says, hope you have a, a Merry Christmas, and you'll, you'll receive a small gift from me uh, a little later. She didn't think about it. She didn't look through the card and, and see exactly what it said. So now she had promised somebody through a card that she was going to give them something else. That's what we do. We make promises. How many of y'all have ever broken a promise? I think we can all probably raise our hands. We, we, break, we break promises a lot, uh, a lot more than we want to. So one, sometime or another in our lives, we're going we're gonna to break a promise. Maybe we didn't do it intentionally. Maybe we just procrastinate. Any procrastinators in here? Yeah. Y'all ain't going to raise your hands till tomorrow. 
So we all tend to procrastinate a little bit in our lives. And it's easy to make promises, but it's really hard to keep a promise. And one of the things that breaks my heart the worst is to promise my kids something, to do something, to get, give them something, whatever it is, and to not be able to, to honor that promise, to break a promise. I, it breaks my heart to have to break a promise. I'll be there. I'll do this. I'll, I'll get you this, and then not be able to fulfill that promise. In the Old Testament, there were many prophecies that were written down, and in a sense, if you really think about it, and I was really hoping Keith wouldn't say this today because it sounds something smart like he would say, prophecies are promises. I want you to think about prophecy, and I want you to think about the word promise. They're both telling of something that's going to take place. I promise I'll see you at church Sunday. I promise a Messiah is coming. I promise you'll get a raise. I promise there's a king coming. It's something in the future. It's something that's going to happen. We're just waiting on it to happen. Prophecy and promise. Prophecies and promises both tell of something that's going to take place, something that's going to happen. It's not present tense, not past tense. It's in the future. It's something that's going to happen. Over 300 prophecies were given to us in the Old Testament about the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Over 300 prophecies, and all of them have been fulfilled. Every single one of those have been fulfilled. When we think of, of the topic of, of Bible prophecy, which I love prophecy, when we think about Bible, Bible prophecy, our minds usually turn to two things. And it's kind of what Jerry's getting on this morning. I, I was going to have to go back there and sit with him. I thought he was getting ready to start preaching. When we talk about prophecy, what do we talk about? When, what we, when we say prophecy, what do we always think about? We always think about these two things. We always think about the rapture or the second coming. That's, when we talk about prophecy, we studied it. We studied Daniel. We studied the book of Revelation. We think about the rapture and the second coming, which are two different things. Because we don't need to think about the prophecy of Jesus Christ because he has been here. That prophecy has been fulfilled. So we, don't, we tend not to talk about the prophecy, but we need to talk about the prophecy because it, it verifies for us and other science as well that Jesus is the son of God that he is who he says he is not was but is we need to study the prophecy of Jesus now these two events I was talking about the rapture and the second coming are, are two different things I want I just want to touch on it for a second before we get into the prophecy of Jesus first is when Jesus will come back to us and take us with him that's the rapture when he comes back when he comes to get us and take us home to heaven. The second coming, that's totally different. That's another prophecy that will be fulfilled. Second is it's when he, we come, we're going to come back with him and set up his kingdom. That's the second thing. So there's those, those two prophecies, two different things. But the Bible reminds us through the words of Jesus that we just don't know when these events are going to take place. We know that we don't know. I think we can all agree on that. We know that we don't know. I believe that we can agree Jesus don't know either. Now, that's hard pill to swallow right there when you think about Jesus not knowing something because of who he is, because of, as, as it said in Sunday school this morning, he's 100% man, he's 100% God. 
we don't think of Jesus as somebody that doesn't know something. We know the Father knows the hair on our heads or lack thereof. We know the Father knows our names. He knows who we are. We're created in His image. We, we know that He knows who we are. Jesus knows who we are. He knew that Clayton was going to be here on October 8th, 2021, way before we knew that He's going to be here. He knows all these things, but yet Jesus don't even know when the Father is going to send Him back. He has no clue. Matthew 24, 36 says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Only God knows when he's coming back. Are you ready? Ready or not, here he comes. But, here's the thing, we're promised that these prophecies will be fulfilled. That's a great promise. A, a promise that I can't wait for. John 14, 3 says, and, I, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye, ye may, may be also. So we know that Jesus is in heaven. And we know that he has gone to prepare a place for us. We know that he is building us a mansion right now, individually. we got our own. Now, some Bibles say that he's building a room for us. I don't want a room. I want, I want my mansion that the Bible's promised us, that, that he has promised us. I want what he has promised us. And that's my mansion. That's my home in heaven. So we know he's going to come back. We just don't know when, and he don't either. So there's, there, there's those two prophecies, and we're not even going to talk about them anymore. I'm done. I'm done with that. The prophecy that we're going to focus on this morning is the first coming of Christ, not the second coming, the first coming of Christ. Now, it's not prophecy, prophecy for us anymore. It is for the Jews, but it ain't for us. We're going to look at him already coming and going, the first coming of Jesus. Now, at least 14 Old Testament writers prophesied concerning the birth of Jesus. And if you look at it, they gave us at least 125 prophecies regarding his birth. That's a lot of prophecy about one individual about one person, and they don't contradict themselves. You go through that Bible and you pick out all the prophecy that's been written about the, the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, nothing contradicts itself. The Bible does not contradict itself, period, period. Men like Ezra, Moses, Samuel, Daniel, if you, if you go back and you ask them what they would want for Christmas, they'd say, I want a Savior. So last week, we said all I want for Christmas is joy. This week, we're going to say all I want for Christmas is a Savior. If you go back and look at these prophets, if we could go back in time right now, hop in a little time machine and go back and talk to these prophets and say, what would you like for Christmas? They'd say, Savior. This babe that we're telling the world about right now, we sure would like to see him right now. Things in this world are getting pretty rough. I sure would like to meet my Savior right now. I guarantee you that's what they'd say. It's, it's hard for us to imagine what it was like to live in those days. It's hard for us to imagine living in a time when someone, some, some people were prophesying about the coming of a Savior because we can't imagine it. We can't wrap our minds around it because he has been here. He, has, he, has, he was born, and he did live, and he did die, 
and he is living right now. So for us, it's hard to, to comprehend, but like I was telling Jerry this morning, we're living in a time now where we're waiting for the second coming. They're waiting for the first coming. Now we're waiting for the second coming of Jesus to fulfill that prophecy. We live over 2,000 years after his birth. Some of these prophets were living 2,000 years before his birth. So there's a, there's a huge gap in there. And we look back, and, and they were looking forward. Today we're looking back at what they were looking forward to. And again, they didn't get to experience the birth of Jesus. But buddies, I tell you what, they told the world as, as often as they could about what was coming. I bet they was excited. They was excited about telling about the first coming of Jesus as we are telling about the second coming of Jesus. They're excited. We should be as excited as they are. Now before then, this prophecy was still in the future, way in the future for a lot of them. Some of them over 2,000 years, some 300 years, some 200 years, some 100 years. But this birth they predicted, this birth that they prophesied, this, this birth that they promised would be the most unique birth in the history of mankind. You just thought breathing into some dust or taking the rib out of a man was a unique birth. What about a virgin birth? What about a virgin birth? What about uh, this teenage girl having a child that is born of the Holy Spirit? That's a unique that's, that's a miracle birth right there. That's the most unique thing we'll ever get to read in the Bible. There's a lot of great stuff in the Bible, but just think about that. That's one of the greatest, most unique births in the history of mankind. Now, I don't look at some facts this morning about that birth that makes it so amazing and that makes it so unique. If you've got your Bibles, I'll, I'll read a little bit for you if you want to stand for just a moment. Micah chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Micah 5, 1 and 2. Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. Now listen to this. Folks, this is prophecy. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, mm, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Let's pray. Father, this morning we want to thank you. God, we thank you for these men, for these godly men, the men that were persecuted for their beliefs, persecuted for the prophecy that they believed in, for the promises that they preached about the coming of your son Jesus. God, we thank you for allowing us this, this uh, Christmas season to just stop and reflect back on the first coming of your Son. God, I pray that as we approach this Christmas season, as, as today we look at the first coming, that we also focus on the second coming. God, if there be one here today that uh, doesn't know your Son, Jesus Christ, and the free pardon of sin, God, I pray today would be their day of salvation. God, I pray that you would just work in their hearts. God, I pray that you would touch and move. Lord, I pray that, the, that they just uh, ask for forgiveness today, Father, and ask you into their hearts. God, what a Christmas present that would be. Their Savior, our Savior, Jesus Christ, into their hearts. Greatest gift ever given to mankind can be theirs. Lord, we thank you for that. And I pray, God, that you would keep moving in the church, keep uh, moving, continue to grow us, Lord. And I pray that all that we do inside these four walls and outside of this church would just be pleasing and honoring to you. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. All this in your son's name we pray.
Amen. You can have a seat. I love that right there. Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. One of the first things I want to look at this morning is there are no recorded prophecies concerning the birth of any other religious person in history. There is nothing in this world recorded about the coming birth of a leader. Nothing. No one. Nobody. Whatsoever. Not Muhammad. Not Buddha. Believe it or not, not even Billy Graham. I know that might shock some. Now, Joel Osteen, now that's another story. I believe there's something about him coming out of a lake of fire or something. I'm not sure. No. But there is nothing, not a thing out there, none in this world has there ever been prophesied about being born except for Jesus Christ. That is it. It's proven. You can go to science if you want to, but I don't need to because the Bible told me that it's true. So we've got to remember that. There are over 300 distinct prophecies written down in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Over 300. He was born of a virgin. We know that. We read that this morning. Over 200 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would be born a virgin. Over in Isaiah 7, 14, he says, Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But listen to this. I'm actually reading it. I'm sorry. Let me, let me switch over here. If I can find it. These new Bibles. Thick. Here we go. Isaiah. Wrote it down wrong there too. Oh well. I'm going to read Micah again. It says, Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem, listen to this. Though thou be little amongst the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me. That is the ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. He says, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me. That is the a ruler of Israel. A ruler. That ought to be a capital R. Ruler. Someone great. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. The Christ child coming. When, when Luke tells the story here, and we'll read it later on this month, I know. When Luke tells the story, he tells of an angel appearing to Mary. And he says to her, he says, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. And what does she say in return? How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? So we know from the beginning, from what we read in Luke and Matthew, that this is prophecy fulfilled. And we know from reading the Bible that there is no one else that's ever been prophesied to be born. Nowhere else in the Bible or anywhere else. So we know that Jesus is who Jesus says he is. The second thing, just like us, we had no control over where we were born. I'm, not, I'm just going to look at two things today. First thing was no one else has ever been prophesied to be born. But second thing, and I'm going to really just really harp on this today, and I like this one. 
He didn't know where he was going to be born. Did you? Did you know where you were going to be born? Did you have any clue where you was going to arrive into this world? My parents, before I was born, they lived in Vilas, North Carolina. Have y'all ever been to the hospital in Vilas, North Carolina? What you laughing for? What makes you think we don't have a hospital? We don't. Did I get to pick where I was born? No. Mom and Dad had a good boom. That's where I was born. Then 361 days later, guess what? They had to do it again. Because in 361 days, they still didn't have a hospital in Vilas. So my sister was born in Boone. Did she get to pick where she was born? No. She did not. Abby, did you get to pick where you was born? Nope. Me and your mama did. We got to pick where you was born. Paisley, you didn't have any say so, did you? I ain't going to ask Clayton. Did any of y'all get to pick where you was born? No. We don't have that ability to pick where... Now, this new generation coming up, they're self-titled, so they may get asked by their parents if they want to, you know, you want to be born here or not. You choose if you're a boy or a girl a little bit later. We won't put that on you. Burst angle, get on that. We didn't get to pick where we was born, and neither did Jesus. Prophecy. Prophecy. We knew from the get-go, or we didn't, but from the get-go, Keith talked about it this morning. Where, he, who was, where they were going. Prophecy said this is where he is going to be born. None of us had control over our hospital, our birthing location, and neither did Jesus. Yet the prophets predicted the place of our Savior's birth over 700 years before he was born. The prophets knew exactly where it was going to be over 700 years. A lot of begats in 700 years, ain't there, Keith? You want to recite them? <laughs> Paisley, can you still do it? Probably not. Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth, but they traveled almost 100 miles on a donkey to register for the census in another town. Now, had that been anybody else, she probably had that baby on the way to wherever they were going because if you ever rode a donkey, y'all ever rode, I mean, seriously, you ever rode one? That's the roughest ride. <laughs> When I was over, and it's actually the same day that we got Samuel's, or Clayton's middle name, Samuel. I was standing up on top of Samuel's tomb, looking out over Israel. And you can actually see where Mary and Joseph traveled from point A to point B. And it just blows your mind that they would actually, and it, the way a crow flies is easy, but you can't get there the way a crow flies. You got to go through some valleys to get there. But remember, God was in control of this event. So he said, you're not going to have that baby on the way to Bethlehem. He said, you're, you're, we're going to miss every pothole. Evidently, it wasn't paved by NCDOT because he said, we're going to miss every pothole and every crevice and every crack. There's not going to be a log across the road. There's not going to be anything to disturb your travels from point A to point B because the prophecy says that my son, Jesus, is going to be born in Bethlehem, and it's, that's how it's going to happen. God didn't make a mistake. He said, it's going to happen in Bethlehem because these 14 other prophets that's been telling this for years and years before, they, they ain't going to get this wrong. They got this right. And so my son, this is God speaking, he said, my son, 
is going to be born in Bethlehem, and I'll make sure of that. We're going to pave the way for him. God is in control. Now, I got to think about this a little bit. When we find out Maria's first pregnant with Abby, I wanted to know right then, is it a boy or a girl? No, right then I want to know, is it a boy? That's, that's, I think it's kind of the way I said it. Is it a boy? And look what I got. I got a beautiful little girl. Paisley come along. I said, is it a boy? Look what I got. Another beautiful little girl. Clayton pops up. I said, what is it? I pretty much. It just, I mean, I wanted the boy, but I was just done. That's the way it goes. We wanted to know as quickly as possible, is it a boy, is it a girl? It's 50-50 shot. You know, you're either right or wrong. I mean, it's a boy or a girl. 50-50 shot. We want to know quickly, what is it going to be? These people nowadays, I thought you had to wait till 16 weeks or so. But, Lord, you can find out within a month now, it looks like, to what it's going to be. We want to know the gender of the child beforehand, and we, we're never disappointed, I don't think. Shouldn't be anyway. People say, well, guess what? We're expecting a baby boy. Why didn't you know you was pregnant? And now you tell me it's a boy? Yeah, I'm just four weeks or five weeks. I did that, whatever test that is. And it reminds me that most people don't want to be surprised anymore. Most people don't. They don't want to be surprised by, is it a boy, is it a girl? They want to, they want to be able to, to paint the nursery and get all the blues or all the pinks or all the yellows or whatever they're doing in the nursery, and they want to be able to do that Eight months before that child even arrives into this world, they want to have everything done. And I love it when they're wrong. That's hilarious. Bring that little boy into a pink room. But if we had predicted, we always had that 50-50 shot of, of getting it right by guessing. When I hear somebody say that, that they're expecting a boy or a girl, I know that man or that woman is not a prophet. When... We did our gender reveal back in May for, for Clayton. I knew really well that my sister and my sister-in-law were not prophets because they were the only two people that knew what we were having. I knew they wasn't a prophet. We relied on the science. We relied on the doctors to tell us what we were having. That was the evidence. The evidence was in the doctors. The evidence was in, actually it was in the ultrasound. That's where the evidence was. It's very obvious what it was. That's where the evidence was. When Jesus was born, right here was your evidence. You go back into the prophecy. You go back into the Old Testament. They didn't have a little black and white picture of a, of a boy or one of those 3D images now of a, of a little boy. What did they have? The words of God. God had told them, it's going to be a boy, the Savior, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, your shepherd. Your all is going to be a boy. And this is what you're going to call him. This is going to be his name. You're going to name him this because God is with you. This is what you're going to call him. Not the doctors, not the nurses, but God. That's where our evidence is in that prophecy that it was going to be a boy. Now, if the father could predict if the child was a boy or a girl, the exact date of birth, the exact location of the hospital where they're going to be born, that would be amazing, but it is possible. It is possible. Paisley was born on her due date, and we knew she was going to be a girl, 
and it was going to be on May 30th, and that it, she was going to be born in the uh, Watauga Medical Center. We knew that. Right? Please tell me I was right. Okay. But what if they could tell you the exact time, the exact place and the circumstances before that woman was ever expecting? What if September 25th, 2004, that's our wedding day, by the way. What if on our wedding day, after we got married and we was out eating food with everybody and said, oh, by the way, on May 4th of 2006, at what time was she born? At 9.01 p.m., we're going to have a girl. What if I'd have told you all that over two years before Abby was born? That would be amazing. That would, be, that would almost be prophecy, but you know, I can't do that. I couldn't tell you when we was going to get these three. But the prophets could tell us when the world was going to receive Jesus. The prophets were able to tell us the date, the time, not really the date, but the time and the location and who it was going to be and who it was going to be through. The, all the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus, the prophets told us, this is what's going to happen. And by George, it happened. It happened. That is a miracle. But what if they, not, not just known two or three years ahead of time, but what if they knew thousands of years, a thousand years ahead of time? What if they knew? That's prophecy. We would say, in our own little minds, that's impossible. But I'm also reminded of what the Bible tells me. But with all things, through God, we know. But by all things, it's possible with God. All things are possible with God. All things. Even a thousand years before his son was born, we knew all things were possible. Because of God. And the, proper, or the kicker is the prophets knew that it would happen. They, that was, they was not concerned that it wouldn't happen. Because God had told them that. But they just wanted a Savior. They just wanted that Savior. They wanted that Savior to appear. And I'd say they probably wanted that Savior to appear while they were alive. And that's kind of what, that's our conversation in Sunday school this morning. They wanted the first coming of Jesus. They were waiting on the birth of a Savior, and now we're waiting on the second coming. So, now we're looking forward. Back then, they were looking forward to the first coming. Now we're looking forward to the second coming. I want to say a few things about these prophets, as you might not know. Prophets were not popular. Believe it or not, they're like preachers. They're not popular people. People didn't like them back then at all especially when they said something that people didn't want to hear even if it was the truth even if it stepped on their toes even if you think that the preacher's picking on you even if they thought that the prophets were picking on them they didn't like them it's not that we're picking on you by no means but you know if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck it's probably going to be a duck it's called conviction but they weren't popular people back then when Micah prophesied this is how it looked back in his time. I've I, I done a little research on this. Morals were low back then. Morals were down here. Government was corrupt back then. The court system was corrupt back then. And the nation had lost all integrity back then. Was that back then or is that just now? 
I'm not, I'm not doing politics right here. I'm just saying we're in the same boat. Things are not looking the best for us right now. When Hosea wrote, he had gotten married and his wife was a, a prostitute. Now think about that. That's talking about loyalty and marriage and faithfulness to God. When Jeremiah wrote, he was single. In a world where nearly everybody was married, here's Jeremiah and he was alone. And that talks about the loneliness and how tough it is to be alone in this world. How difficult that is. When Amos wrote, he was poor. The country was falling apart. Literally falling apart. The ground where he lived was so bad, so rocky, that he couldn't even raise a garden to provide for his family. And to top it off, the, 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 the government around him was hoarding up everything and wouldn't provide for the, for the people. It talks about the issues of finances right there. When Habakkuk wrote, he was a man who believed in justice. He struggled with the big question, why do bad things happen to good people? Sounds kind of familiar now too, don't it? That's Habakkuk. We all struggle with that question, I think. He wondered why wicked people keep getting wealthier. We could go on with those. But as we look at all that, we're reminded that we have not come as far as we think we have. Even though we've advanced over the past 4,000 years, 2,000 past Jesus, or however you want to say it, even though we've advanced, we're not as far as we think we've gotten. We're not as far as we think what we should be. Our country's in trouble. Our world's even worse trouble right now. Many struggle with loneliness. So many people struggle right now with marital problems. So many people are struggling right now with their finances. So many people right now are struggling. So many countries are struggling right now with the corruption of governments. What we're going through today was still happening 4,000 years ago. What's happening today is probably going to be happening 100 years from now. It's not going to get any better till we go home to Jesus. There are days when we might say it's the best of times. There's some good times. I mean, October 8th this year was the best of times for a while. And then turned around three weeks ago and I felt like it was the worst of times. That's life. That's what we go through. But the solution is the same. Just like the prophets, we got to say, all I need is that Savior. When we go through the worst of times, we need to be saying, I need my Savior. When we go through the best of times, we need to keep saying, I need my Savior. I need my Jesus. Through the best of times, through the worst of times, I need Jesus. No matter what, I need my Lord. I need Him by my side. I'll praise Him when it's good. Praise Him when it's bad. No matter what, we'll be praising God. We were, me and Maria got to go over to the Billy Graham Library Friday. It was our first official date since Clayton got here. And we had a blast. And I was reminded of a story about Anne Graham Lotz. She'd wrote a book, and, and over a two-year span of her writing this book, there's a lot of things that happened in her life. I, said, I wrote them all down here. She published two books, and she was writing a third. She had produced a seven-volume video series. Three of her children got married within an eight-month span. Shoo. Her husband's office burned to the ground. Her son had cancer and had surgery and treatments. She had to take care of both her parents, Billy Graham and Ruth Graham, as her mom was hospitalized five times. And this is what she said. But I don't want to escape. I don't want sympathy. I don't want to quit. I don't even want a miracle. She said, just give me Jesus. 
Just give me Jesus because he is enough. Just give me Jesus. Give me that Savior because that's what we need. All we need in life. I'm not even going to say all I want for Christmas, all I need for Christmas. All you need in life is Jesus. That's enough. Once you have Jesus, that's all you'll ever need. You'll never have another want because he's going to fulfill or fill you up. He's going to sustain you. He's going to give you what you need. That's what he does. That's who he is. All you need for Christmas is Jesus. All you need in this life is Jesus. Best gift ever given to us. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Sent from heaven above. It's all you need. Stand with me. We're going to close out. All you need is Jesus. That's all. That's all it is. Think about it. When you're thinking about your Christmas list, make sure, I hate to say the word strike Jesus off the top of that list, but if he's at the top of your list, make sure you've got him. In your heart. It don't have to be at Christmas. I accept him at the end of October. You can accept him anytime you want to. But you got to accept him. Conley, will you dismiss us, please? Amen.